Well, we've been looking at John 15 this year, and um, I personally have found it incredibly challenging. Uh, I've had the privilege of preaching from it, but maybe what you don't understand is that before you get to preach the message, the message preaches you. And so you've got to work through the stuff before you get to deliver the, the message. And um, I found it incredibly challenging. I've enjoyed the journey. Um, I'll make some more comments in a minute. But I want to ask a couple of people how they've enjoyed it and, um, or, or what it's, if it's meant anything for them. So I'm going to ask these three young men to uh, come up. Now, some of you will be sitting there saying, why is it only young men? I did ask young ladies as well. But they either refused or didn't reply. Thank you, young men. I needed some help. You've come through. So Jay, Kathan, and Josh, why don't you guys come up? Yeah, give them a hand. Thank you. I don't mind which one of you goes first. So these are really deep questions. Has looking at John 15 this year, has it helped you in any way? Don't just say yes. <laughs> we know you, Jay. Yes. Do you want me to say why? Yes, please. Oh, in many different areas it's helped me. Um, but I'd say the main area is my intimate um, and personal relationship with God, especially going back to the part um, where it says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. Great. Yeah? Very cool. good. What about you, Josh? I prepared some notes. Oh, good. <laughs> I like it. Oh. I like it. Oh. <laughs> I'll stop that. Ladies, he's single. <laughs> so is so he. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so one of the verses, well, the first part of John 15 is, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Sorry. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be made even more fruitful. Um, and I guess like um, no branch by itself can bear fruit and it must be re- remain in the vine. And I guess that's a big point for me is to keep remaining in God. Right. And I'll then experience fruit from that. Great. Awesome. You, yeah. uh, I, I really enjoyed the whole time, but um, one that really stuck out to me was um, about how you have to, I am like, you have to connect to the branch and stay connected, otherwise there's no life. And as soon as you cut that branch off, it's going to die. And I guess it's real interesting, I guess, because I've had some times, I guess this year, where I've gone and I've just had something just isn't right with my relationship with God. I've just left it, just being a bit complacent. And suddenly you go to grow and that life support that was supposed to come through, you're like, oh, <laughs> it's not there anymore. And it's like, wow, it was real cool and challenging to know, like, hey, we can't afford to just, like, slip by in complacency and just tick off stuff like a box. Like, hey, I've read the Bible. It's like, no, we need to stay connected intentionally right. and so we can get, like, life from Jesus. Great. So what would you change? And start with you, if you like, come back this way. What, what would you change if the way your relationship with Jesus is uh, because of what we've learned or absorbed out of that scripture out of John 15? I guess because it says like abide in me and I'll abide in you one thing I changed is coming to God with no agenda other than just being with him and being happy to do that realising okay if you're good if you're faithful 
it's going to be good. Like, that's all I need is you. So when I come to um, talk to God, I surrender my motives, even though I want to pray about these things. Going, if he's good, he'll actually bring them up. So it just, my approach changed a lot when I came to prayer and everything. Great. Fantastic. For me, being intentional, actually um, making an effort to put some time into it, because it's really easy um, just to go day by day and, oh, oh, there's a month gone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's something for me. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, mine's um, actually really similar to Kathan's as well, going to God with no agenda. But also um, one thing that I've discovered through it this year as well, um, it says in Song of Solomon's chapter 2, verse 1, I think it is, um, he kisses me with the kisses of his mouth. And I believe that the inner life of a Christian should be receiving kisses of God. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of abiding in God and then God abiding in us. So Nice. Awesome. So the last question, you have to be a little bit transparent with this one. Have you actually changed anything in your walk with God this year? It sounds great, but have you, have you made some change? Yes. No. <laughs> um, yes, I have. I, um, I would have been probably, I would have been actually when I got back from School of Evangelism earlier in the year, I made the decision to be a lot more intentional with my time. Um, I used to just... I guess hang out with God just whenever I could in the day, but I actually put aside time twi- twice in a day. I normally start off with my day basically pouring everything out into God. So basically that's where I bless God, that's where I worship God, and then I finish my day with God pouring into me. Nice. And that's where I, I maybe I listen to a message, that's where I let God uh, you know, speak to me, encourage me. So that's something I've implemented into my life. Great, that's good. To be honest, I find it um, a constant battle to daily, I guess, take up my cross and follow him um, in terms of, like, personal relationship. And I don't think it's something I'll ever achieve 100% by the time I'm aged and wise, um, <laughs> like yourself, Sheridan. I was thinking of Pastor Ray. <laughs> uh, well, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, darn it, I went there. <laughs> yeah, you opened Pastor the door, Ray. you shouldn't have. I guess what's changed for me is every time I go now and I've got something that I want to talk to God about, I always try and surrender it first and going, okay, if you're good, I know that you'll bring it up when it needs to come up. And I'll tell him, but then I go, but at the same time, I trust you and I only want to talk about what you want to talk about. If this is something you don't want to go into, sweet. So, yeah, that changed. Awesome. Thank you, guys, and I appreciate your honesty. Fantastic. Give him a big hand. Just leave it up here. I'm going to read you John 15, and um, I've personally been quite challenged by it, uh, because it's just a marvellous piece of scripture, and um, many parts of it have challenged me. One of the things that has really challenged me is that whole thought of abiding in him. It's amazing, isn't it? When you go, okay, I'm going to do this this year, so abiding, for me, I'm interpreting abiding in many different ways, but in this way, I'm interpreting it, I'm going to get aside and I'm going to spend just some quality time with God. And this year's just been the nuttiest, craziest, busiest year ever. Nearly impossible to actually just stop and breathe and take time to do it. It doesn't mean I'm defeated, it means I just haven't quite got where I want to get to yet, but I'm going to. But I find that in my spiritual journey, it's often like that. That when I decide I'm going to do something, 
this is what it's going to look like, then in a sense it's like all hell breaks loose to stop you achieving it. There's an old saying that if God can't dissuade you, uh, sorry, if the devil can't dissuade you or um, um, stop you doing the will of God in your life, he will push you into the will of God at such pace that you blow up. And so I decided a long time ago that he wasn't going to stop me doing the will of God. My personal challenge is to run at a pace that I don't blow up. And, uh, and it takes constant effort and constant supervision of myself to make sure that that doesn't happen. But one of the things that greatly encouraged me is when I really came to understand this year that abiding isn't a moment of time. That abiding is a constant state. It's a constant state. No, we are abiding now, aren't we? We're together. We're, our focus is on the things of God. We are abiding together. But that doesn't stop when we leave the building. The, the form of it will change when we leave the building. But abiding or remaining in or living in doesn't stop. Just like it doesn't stop when I stop reading my Bible in the morning or whatever. It's not like my abiding's finished. Or if I'm praying and I finish praying, my, my abiding has now finished. It doesn't work like that. God is 24-7 relationship. And so we take him, or he comes with us wherever we go, whenever we're there, whatever we're doing. That's why we can be like Jesus wherever, whenever, because he's with us, empowering us. And the good news is, you make a mess, you just start again. But the good news is that I don't have to be having a super spiritual moment to be abiding with him. That my choice, my life choice, my life decision is to follow Jesus. My life decision is that on every occasion, on every decision, whether I get it right or not, my overarching decision is that I'm going to pursue God with my life. And my life is going to be a spiritual fruit, which means I'm abiding with him. And the Bible says, and I will read it eventually, the Bible says that when I abide with him, my life will bear fruit. When you abide in him, your life will. It doesn't say it might. It doesn't say you may. It says you will. It actually says the word when. You will. You will bear fruit. You've just got to keep walking with him. With him. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. It would be nice to take verse 6 out, wouldn't it? but we're not permitted to do that. It's there for a reason. But if you remain in me and, I re and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. 
This brings great glory to my Father. And it carries on. So important to remain. And I think if perhaps you can take out of this year the fact that you don't come in and out of remaining, living in God, but you carry him 24-7 wherever you go. You know, our Father who art in heaven, the literal translation, our, our Father, our God, whose presence is as close as the air that I breathe. He's right there. When you gave your heart, when you gave your life, not just your heart, I hope you gave your whole life. When you gave your whole life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and resides inside of us. He doesn't jump out. Not even when I speed in my car, he doesn't jump out, which is just as well. He's there all the time. And you shouldn't speed, it's naughty. All the time he's there. All the time. When I'm at work, when I'm at school, when I'm at university, when I'm at youth, when I'm in Activate Group, when I'm in gathering on a Sunday, when I'm out on the town with my friends, when I'm shopping, wherever I am, God is with me. All the time. All the time, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's good. Well, we're really um, fortunate tonight because we have Brent and Colleen Weaver with us, and um, it's great to have them with us this weekend. And uh, so they, um, we've been supporting Brent in um, missions in the Ukraine for a long, long time. How long, Brent? Since 1994. That's a long time. How many have put your hand up if you weren't alive in 94? <laughs> yeah. Thought as much. So that's a long time. Um, and... And so we've been supporting Brent a long time. And five months ago on Friday night, Brent and Colleen were married, which is very, very exciting. Very exciting. And so it's nice to celebrate with them and nice to meet Colleen. Um, that's wonderful. And I've invited them to, to come up. So you actually come up now, guys. It would be great. Have we got that other mic? What did I do with it? Because I want them to give you a couple of words of wisdom. He's just finding a mic for us. Brilliant. So again, welcome to New Zealand. Thank Great you. to have you here. Yep. It's wonderful to have you both here. And uh, was anyone here this morning? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, so you would have heard from them both this morning as well. So um, try that. It might yeah. be on. Yep. Are we on? Yep. yep. It's doing, doing its thing. So I've asked them both to share a couple of bits of wisdom with us. Uh, because I'm aware that the year is coming to the end. And you need to get a plug of wisdom before you go on holidays and break and all that kind of stuff. So I would like you please to give us a piece of advice or wisdom. This one is aimed particularly at the young people because I'm very aware that when you're young, I remember, that when you're young, um, right where you are in life seems a big deal. And if you're making decisions about education and all that kind of stuff, you're looking ahead thinking, man, it's a couple of years, it's a long time. But now I've been a few more years down the track, although I would add not as many as some of my friends. Um, um, with a bit of perspective, 
what can appear pretty significant there in the grand scheme of things, you go, actually, I've got a long way to go. And it gets some context as time goes on. So would you be able to both give us a little bit of wisdom, advice for young people with their whole lives ahead of them about serving Jesus, maybe making decisions? I'll let you steer it where you would like. Well, after a failed marriage and five and a half, five months of being married, I know a wise thing to do is to allow Colin to say something first. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I want you to either find or think of a scar that you have on your body. And you probably, when you find it, there's a memory, right? Of how you got it. There's a story, right? Well, my advice to you is, if at all possible, I pray and I hope that when you're an adult and when you're 20 and 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 and 80, praise God if you have a boring testimony. God heals scars. And so there's always mercy and grace and power. But those scars are reminders and when we think of the types of scars, the deep wounds of mistakes that we made, decisions, relationships that we shouldn't have gotten into, those kind of things, when, when our parents said, don't do it, and we did it anyway, or when we knew this is probably not going to please God, but it looked good and we did it anyway, there's forgiveness, but there's a scar, there's a wound, there's a memory. God forgets when we ask forgiveness. But unfortunately, we don't forget. And I remember one time I was listening to a guy in Spain, and he was an ama- had an amazing testimony. I mean, a thrilling testimony of a, just a wrecked up, messed up life. And, and he was always asked to share his testimony. And honestly, I felt a little jealous because my testimony didn't have all that zip, zippity-doo-dos kind of stuff. But there was one day he was talking, we were sitting at a table, and all of a sudden, I saw the scars. And I realized he had memories. And even though he had joy and victory in Christ, the scars were still there. So if at all possible, it's a wonderful thing to have a boring testimony. I, I got three now because I just want to pick up on what what Sheridan what, what Sheridan said because we're actually um, um, met with a, a young couple who wanted to go out as missionaries and they were told we well, better get some training first and I was like no no we got to go we got to go we got to go you know they're about just in their early twenties and they went, no we we got to go we we, we want to go we have a vision and everything it's like no but what about a year no that's too long and I I agree with Sheridan like. I'm already kind of 20-something years into this business, and two years, even three years, getting ready is, pays dividends on a, 
long term. Like it feels like a lot to them. They were just, they're just eager. They just want to be out there. Um, but I know that over the long term, they're going to be way more effective. I don't know what you're looking at, whether you're looking at study for a professional job or, or some kind of thing involved with ministry. You're all involved in ministry. That, that's one thing. But, um, but to take that time to really invest in getting prepared. There's, be bold. Be, go out there. Do it. But, but don't, don't skip being prepared. Um, the second thing um, that I was thinking of was get a mentor. Like I, you know, I was young in a youth group and all of that and kind of the way that it seemed to work, it was like accidental. I got some good advice. I got some really bad advice from peers because they were as stupid and as young as I was. And occasionally somebody popped up that was older you know, and spoken to my life, but it was rare, and, and it was kind of accidental. And I'd encourage you to find, I'm kind of, the church has always been, it's been like this since we used to be over in Grace Street in 1988. Young church is that side, and old church is this side. What is it with that? Anyway, I'm, <laughs> I'm always over here now. I used to sit over there. Um, but but I'm, t- I'm talking to, to older people too. Um, to find some people, look around and see, there's not going to be any perfect people. So don't you know, look and say, oh, they must be the perfect Christian, because you'll discover they aren't, even though they're older and walked longer. There's no such thing as the perfect Christian. But to look and see what qualities has that person got and go and ask them. That's a scary thing to do. And for older people, I'd say be open to it. Um, and in the church, to be Helping. I have this image, you know, of Christianity like this. I've shown it to you before when I was here a little while ago. It looks like this. You know, somebody's helping you to grow and you're helping somebody else to grow. So find a mentor and be a mentor. Um, And then the last kind of wisdom that just struck me actually as we were singing these songs. Get to know Jesus. Like, we, we sing about it and it's like, he's the greatest name. It's like, and, and, and I know I, I've gotten carried away at times and it's like, I got no idea who this Jesus really is. Like he's great and all of this. And do I really know the character of Jesus? Do I really know? Like there was this really, you know, this thing, I don't even know when it was, in the 80s, I guess. There was these little armbands came out and they had WWJD written on it. Remember that? Some of you were alive then. You know, WWJD. And it was, what would Jesus do? You were all alive now, aren't we? <laughs> uh, what would Jesus do? That is a really good question. But you can only answer it if you know what Jesus did. So yeah, you can only answer that question if you know what Jesus would do. And, and that requires soaking yourself in the Gospels. I love the Apostle Paul. I love it all. You know, I, I love the Old Testament. But in the last little while, I've really kind of wanted to, I need to know, because there's all kinds of political stuff. There are people who are, they're shooting people for Jesus. You know, they're, they're trying to walk on water for Jesus, for goodness sake. They're, there's weird things that people think about Jesus. He's got the victory. Yeah, let's go and kill them Muslims. You know, it's, that's just ridiculous. They haven't understood, you know, it's, uh, you know, I've been in America. It's very politicized, this thing. They don't know the heart of Jesus. Soak yourself in who is this guy and how does he react? How does he treat people? How does he respond to stress situations? How does he deal with enemies? How does he deal with people who flat out don't like him?
What does he do with them? You know, how does he respond? And just soak yourself in his character, because that's who we're supposed to be coming, becoming like. We say, you know, we're all being transformed into the glory to glory, and it all sounds fantastic, and I'm going to glow one day in heaven. It's like, no, we're being transformed to be more and more like the character of Jesus. Now, I'm saying that and sitting here feeling really guilty because I haven't read the Gospels in a little while. Colleen's been very faithfully reading through Luke. Um, but just soak yourself in who Jesus is. Anyway, that's it. So, so while you're here, just before you go, let's move to the, um, to the slightly uh, more mature side of the venue. And uh, have you got a quick bit of advice for them as life? Because the, the other thing that I'm discovering in life is that um, it's going quite fast. You know, when I was 18, the thought of being 40 just seemed ridiculous. But now that I'm nearly 40, it's... <laughs> It is ridiculous. It's just going so fast. Yeah. So what, what advice would you give people with a few more miles on the clock? I don't know. I'm kind of past 40 now. And, um, the one, one of the things that I... Colin mentioned about scars and about the redemption. I don't know what you... The older we are, the more we build up of bad memories, of, of stuff that hasn't worked. And, you know, of defeats and all of, all of those things. You know, I mean, my marriage failed, you know. I mean, this is the second one. And praise God that God redeems and, and restores. Yeah. Um, but to allow him to do that, you know, I don't know what if you're carrying stuff. Because there's a lot of expectations on us, you know, as Christians, especially as you get older. Now you're supposed to have it all together. Now you're supposed to read the Bible ten times. Well, I've read the Bible ten times, but... Some of it hasn't soaked in, you know, it hasn't really got me, you know, and that idea of allowing God to re-stand you back on your feet, um, yeah, that would be kind of a thought that, that I'd have. There's, there's redemption, even for us oldies, that trip over and, you know, um, and people are looking at us and we're aware of it and we become even more aware of it. There's, there's freedom there, though, yeah. to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just want to repeat the, the message of abide. We need to constantly abide in the vine and to take time every day just to be in the presence of Jesus. To, we live in a noisy world. Find time that you just sit quietly in the presence of Jesus. Um, that's become a part of my routine in the last five years and I think it's changed my life because not only is it 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 bring that intimacy with Jesus I think it gives it uh, it gives us a depth and a peace and ability to listen in a way that you you may have never experienced before um the, the the times that now I've been moved to speak with people or moved to go out outside or moved to turn my head and see something, and then I recognize there's someone I needed to see or something I needed to do. And I think that it comes from just spending time abiding in the vine and 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 feeding deeply from the Word of God and just really meditating and chewing the cud. And, and, and just, just letting it soak in. And I guess the other thing, this goes with Brent. If there's someone here 
and you know that something terrible has happened to you. Or maybe you've done something that you know is terrible. And you think you're trapped in a dark place and shame has bound you. Please step in the light of Jesus and find a safe person to help walk you through that dark place. There's healing and there's freedom and there's joy in Jesus no matter what it is, no matter what has happened. He can set you free. Fantastic. Thank you very much. How about giving them a hand? That's great. One of the things that has really stood out to me with John 14, uh, sorry, John 15, is that when we abide in Christ, our lives will produce fruit. One of the things that really stands out for me there is that God expects a return on his investment. It's part of who he is. When we spend time with him, our lives will produce fruit, godly fruit. That's, that's what happens. There's, there's an investment. It's gained. There is a, there is a return on God's investment. But I think one of the things we can get so wrong is that there is no prerequisite for coming to God. There is no investment required coming to. The investment is the outcome of walking with. And the return is the outcome of abiding in and remaining in. But there is no prerequisite. In other words, you do not have to get all your ducks in a row to come to God. You do not have to get your life in order to come to God. The whole cross Tyra was talking about created the environment where Jesus had done everything to restore relationship with us and we just simply have to come. That's our part of the deal, is seeing actually the answers, all of the answers are in Jesus, all of them. So I need to be in relationship with Jesus for the answers. All I need to do is come. And it's really easy, and sometimes I think more mature Christians forget that we didn't have all our ducks in a row when we came. My life was an absolute mess when I was started to do my best to pursue Jesus. I mean, I was literally getting off my deathbed, rescued by His grace, but my life was a mess. My thinking, when I think back now, my thinking was a mess. But I just determined that and knew that I needed Jesus. From that day to this day, I pray, well, I know, that my life is producing a return for him. Is it finished? No, I hope not. Am I where I want to be or need to be yet? I don't think so. But compared to where I was, to where I am, there's a huge difference. Huge difference. And as we finish tonight, I want to make sure that every person in this building understands that Jesus wants to be in relationship with you now. 
exactly how you are with everything that's going on in your world. He's not saying, can you just go and sort that out and that out and that out and then we'll talk about it. No, no. He's saying, come on. Just say yes to me. And then we'll work this out as we walk together. He doesn't even say, well, this is the five-step plan to walking it out. He just says, come walk with me. Actually, he says it different than John, doesn't he? He says, abide in me. Stay connected with me. Do the journey with me. And it'll all work itself out. And I wonder how many of us here tonight have never said yes to Jesus. Well, we have. And then for whatever reason, it got a little bit hard. We made some mistakes and we allowed shame to come on. And we're, we're sitting in church tonight. But if we're really honest in our hearts, we go, man, I wish there was a connection there for me. There isn't. But I really wish there was. Well, how about in this moment, we reestablish that connection because that's what Jesus does. All he needs from us is a desire and a willingness to say, Lord, I need a connection. I want to be connected. Please make the connection with me. And he will. Because that's what he does. That's what the cross was all about. Your best life is lived in relationship with Jesus. I didn't say your perfect life, because you will make mistakes. But your best life, You and I are designed to journey life with Jesus, in relationship with Jesus. It's the way we're made. Our Creator designed us with a part of us that was not complete until it engaged with Him. Does that mean that life will be a bed of roses? No. Does that mean you'll never make a mistake? No. Does it mean some mornings you'll wake up and you go, why the heck did I do that? Yes. But it also means that our eternity is guaranteed with Him, which is awesome. Now, you don't have to choose Jesus, do you? We all have free choice. It's totally your choice. But I need you to understand that if you choose to not choose, that has eternal consequence as well you don't want those consequences they're not good not good at all but my desire and I know it's Jesus' desire because he paid an incredible price is that every one of us is in relationship with him